You are listening to the Enormo Cast. The Royal We here at the Enormo Cast would like to remind you that there's three great ways to get shit you need and get the Enormo Cast a little something as well. BonfireCoffee.com, enter Enormo at checkout for great small batch fresh roasted coffee. PeterWGilroy.com, enter Enormo at checkout for amazing climbing inspired jewelry and accessories for yourself or that special belayer. Emblazebex.com, enter Enormocast at checkout to just say no to belayer neck pain. And the great thing about supporting these companies is they are the little guy. In fact, a couple of them are just one person over there at that particular little company. So you're supporting them. They are climbers. You're supporting the Enormocast and you're getting great stuff. It's a win, win, win. Very rare in this day and age. So please consider supporting them, supporting the Enormacast, and supporting all our sponsors with your patronage. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold What's it that? out. I'll say, you really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed having with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Good weather. Bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment. With support from Maxim Ropes. And the fine folks at La Sportiva. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is 11.15 on October, nope, November 2nd. Where did October go? October just disappeared. Actually, you know what? Let's erase October 2017 from the record completely. It sucked. Goodbye, October 2017. You sucked. Anyway, this is episode 139, conversation with mountain runner Joe Grant. As many of you know who listen to the show, uh, we lost one of the uh, great friends of the Enorma cast, Hayden Kennedy, and two of my friends, Hayden and his Partner Inga Perkins both died last month. Inga was killed in an avalanche from which Hayden was able to unbury himself, but unable to find Inga out of despair, grief, guilt, I suppose. He returned to Bozeman and killed himself. The shock here in Carbondale, the shock at the Enormacast headquarters in my home with our families has been overwhelming. But I wanted to acknowledge it here on the podcast because Hayden was such an integral part of this show. Uh, many of you have written me with condolences and also tributes to him, talking about how much you enjoyed having this insight into the man on the show. And I'm, I'm quite proud we did what we did here with the Norma Cass and Hayden. So I bring it up because I wanted to thank you guys for those notes that you've reached out with. And hopefully I will be capable of putting together a tribute episode to him and I didn't know Enga as well obviously I'd only met her in the last year through through Hayden but she was an amazing climber an amazing adventurer in her own right and 
In my mind, I had imagined that we would have talked to her eventually on the show as well. Her accomplishments certainly were worthy of an hour in the Enorma cast. Just an incredible person as well. So thanks again for the notes, for the acknowledgments, for the condolences. Um, it meant a lot to hear from you guys, actually. It continues to mean a lot. Okay, let's move on to this fantastic interview with Joe. Uh, I met Joe at a Salt Lake Climbers Alliance fundraiser up at the, the Black Diamond headquarters there in Salt Lake City. We were just sitting around drinking beer on a picnic table, and Joe was telling me that he really enjoyed the show, was quite excited about it. You know, podcasts fuel, I think, a lot of his long, long runs. And the Enormous Cast is on his playlist, which is super cool. And, you know, just minutes into the conversation, because I started asking him questions about the, the long distance running, being sort of fascinated with the mind control and everything else that has to go into it. And uh, very quickly into the conversation, I was like, man, do you want to come on the podcast? Let's do one while we're here if, if we can get one done. And we sat down the very next day. And I think what we got was pretty cool. This is one that moves away from climbing a bit, but but we circle back around a fair few times. And, and Joe's a climber. You know, he's got his gear and gets out there now and again, even though running is his main thing. But there was just so much to relate to in terms of endurance, in terms of focus and uh, training and, and, and getting it done that relate to climbing that I think this one's going to be really interesting for everybody. And besides, you know, even even the Enorma cast needs a little break from pure climbing madness once in a while. So yeah, let's check it out. A conversation with mountain runner Joe Grant. Are you the kind of person who likes things smooth and simple, like wearing tomorrow's clothes to bed? or going commando no matter the occasion, then you might like Black Diamond's new ATC Pilot, a cleanly designed blade device for single pitch projecting with smooth payout and assisted braking for when your climber is sitting on the rope muttering about the humidity slash dryness slash cold slash heat. Lightweight and no moving parts, the ATC Pilot is so simple it once fell in love with a snail. Check it out at blackdiamondequipment.com or better yet, your favorite local climbing shop. And remember, Black Diamond loves the Enorma cast. Voila. Voila. Well, yeah. Dyla doesn't like the air conditioning at all. So the first night she got like really messed up, like kind of sick because of all the cold air. But then in here, it, we, we couldn't find like the central how to turn it off centrally right. so we were just like turning off in different rooms but they would kick on like halfway through the night so you're like sweating balls and then it's like yeah. cold and central air, air conditioning just doesn't exist in spain except for in, like no. people's really rich houses and stuff yeah it's it's a kind of like mostly a foreign concept in europe like mm-hmm. period so it's cold drinks yeah. Some places. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, Perrier, I guess. It's yeah. Like, you know. But I, I had, uh, I, um. Gas and on, sin gas, you know, and they gas, did, yeah. yeah. But I, I, uh, I was in Seuss and actually had a, um, bulged disc. I had, like, I kind of okay. a disc. Yeah. And, like, the last, it was like, I was leaving in three days. And so I wasn't going to, like, change anything yeah. just to get out of there. If it had been, like, three weeks left, I'd have left, you know, early. Sure. But I'm like, all right, I'll just, like, handle it. Yeah. So, I go so you still were going climbing? No, I I went climbing one day and then the next day I yeah. was done. Like yeah, yeah. Was, and so I was like, all right, I'll go down and get a hotel room and gap and like 
just ice it and just hang out until my bus the next day. And like, so I go down there and I'm like, I go to this hotel that's got a, it's got a bar in the base or in the downstairs or whatever. And I'm like, okay, perfect. And go down there and I'm like, you know, in my book, I'm like glass, you know, yeah. is it glass? Glass? Uh, ice? When, uh, oh yeah. 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 For ice. Yeah, yeah. French. And I'm just like, you know, trying to say it and yeah. it's like, well, and the French won't give you anything. Well, they aren't that. They'll just be like, yeah. "Fuck this American yeah. dude," you know. But I, and then I look like they did. Like we don't have ice. Yeah. I'm like, and I look around, and sure, I mean, everybody's drinks that are drinking normal, like right cocktails. There's no ice in them. Yeah. They're drinking like pastis or something like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, I was just like, it's pastis. a bar. Like, what is going on? Like, yeah. like you have to have ice. You know, and I'm just like, okay, no ice. I got it. I'm believing, and I had to yeah. go buy, start buying uh, frozen vegetables. Yeah, yeah. The peas. Store. Yeah, peas. Yeah. And I'd lay in the bed, and then I'd get up, and like there'd be like this big green splotch on the freaking sheets, and I'm just like, oh, whoops. Yeah. Like, they're going to wonder what the fuck was going on up in right, the right, right. room. Like, why is there this big green <laughs> Dude splotch? Dude getting really fucking bed? kinky in there. <laughs> yeah. so, anyway, I finally made it home a couple days later, but boy, it was rough. The, the flight the flight was, was horrible. Yeah. But, you know, I was able to get my hands on some stuff in France because it... Over-the-counter shit. Yeah, they'll hand you what you like, need. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Morphine? We got it. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually, I remember the pharmacist I talked to was the odd Frenchman who was like fully took, you know, s- s- felt sorry for me and like took care of me. Well, I think that people genuinely see that you're not bullshitting. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, like we can actually like give you stuff, yeah. you know, whereas in the States, it's yeah. like, nah, you don't have the prescription. You're not coming. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. So, yeah, last night when we started talking and when I began to realize that we were going to have a normal cast because we were just talking and and this happens to me a lot, actually, with people Mm -hmm. is because this this game is such a conversation that when I'm in conversations about climbing, I frequently think to myself like oh this should you know this would be great or i wish i had a recorder on right right. so halfway through this conversation with you which was about the mountains but about running Mm -hmm. you know it just clicked in my brain like this would be a great a normal cast and so i'm really glad we're sitting down because i was just just last night and we're we're making this happen so um we were talking about how you one thing we were talking about is how your kind of mechanisms for for dealing with the endurance end of what you do had mm-hmm. changed a lot in the decade, you know, from your twenties to now your thirties. Yep. So could you talk a little bit about that again, this idea of, of the experience changing the way you deal when you're out there on mile 75 or whatever sure. it happens to be? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, when you start in the sport, I mean, I started fairly young I was in my early twenties, um, in terms of doing longer distances. Um, I was primarily driven, and this is still true to this day, by the landscape. And so I wanted to get out into the mountains and just explore wild places, basically. Mm-hmm. And I really liked sort of the simplicity of running. Um, but you, you have your, the advantage that you have when you're younger is obviously like your physical um, advantage, right? right? You're just, you're strong, you're resilient, you get injured, it takes a couple weeks to recover. And so I think you do a lot of, there's a lot of compensation for that, you know, growing up doing sports mm-hmm. um, in school, you know, it's the same kind of thing. You just, all you want to do is like 
play whatever sports you know that that's there and you just play all day if it's eight hours 10 hours whatever and you don't really think about the recovery injury sort of managing all that stuff you know it's so much about the activity and you have the yeah you have youth on your side right um so you can kind of like pour yourself into this stuff and I wouldn't say it's like, it's kind of naive nearly, right? And the, I think a big part of the mental game at that time is just having the physical ability to overcome um, whatever mental weakness you actually have. Okay. So it's nearly like, it's not you're deceiving yourself, but you're not really growing from a mental standpoint. It's just like, well, my body can do it, you know, and kind of like being healthy on a daily basis and thinking like you're never really going to get sick. And then when you're sick, you're like, oh, right, this is kind of how it feels, you know. But as you get older, you know, we were we were joking about this, like, you know, getting out of bed every morning. Right. It's like you hobble over to the bathroom, like sort of half arthritic, you know, and you wait for things to kind of warm up. And it's like, oh, man, my body's just like broken, you know, and it's not. It just takes a little bit more time to warm up. I think the difference now is having that experience and being able to kind of, you know, I've sort of been there, you know, in those situations so many times, like out, you know, sitting on the side of the trail, um, you know, kind of losing my mind, bonking super hard from it, you know, but you can, you can really get into that mental space and look at it, um, I guess, not necessarily more analytically, but like just in a... Uh, just having that that yeah that history to be able to I think grow more mentally and so you're you're compensating mentally for your physical right. <laughs> shortcomings you know so like there's a, I don't know there's kind of this nexus and who knows everybody's age maybe or experience level is different right right it's like where those two cross over and become kind of the opposite yeah and like I think your physical thing was just able to blast through your mental doubts and now you're mental thing is able to kind of like compensate, compensate for, the, for the physical part to- of it. Totally. And I think everything is sort of like stepping stones in life, mm-hmm. you know, where you, um, the first time I did a marathon, for example, it blew my mind. Like it was absolutely like, you know, I signed up like a month and a half before cause it was in my, my hometown. I wasn't really a runner and I was like, Oh, I'm going to go do this thing because it's a thing to do. You know, like mm-hmm. people do marathons, you know? And I remember for like three months, I could, I could barely, I was like kind of injured after I could, could barely walk for like the two weeks after the race. It was just like really, really, really hard, you know? Um, but now that challenge while still difficult, you know, just won't provide the same kind of, it won't feed you in the same way, you know? So I think at different periods of your life, you kind of get to not necessarily wanting to do harder or bigger things, but just more interesting things that will kind of create that stimulation, you know? So when you get done with that, that step in your life, it, it should feel like, wow, that was the, that was the biggest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be from a yeah physical standpoint, but just more how much you grew from that experience, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know if actually you can put this into words because it has to be, there has to be this, you know, this place you get to when these, these high endurance sports, uh, you know, again, mile 75 or you're, I, someone just told me that you're actually going to do a 200 mile race. Yeah. In Italy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Mile one twenty. But whatever it happens to be (laughs) right when you're pushing yourself, it must kind of just be a a kind of hard to describe state, but I'm going to try to make you any, do it anyway. What kind of games are you playing in terms of, of mental, physical out there on those days or is it something that's inherent and you're just have like a, you have a way to kind of 
compartmentalize it or something like that? Well, I think when you get into a really, I guess you could, you know, it's been kind of referred to as like your flow state, sure. you know, and you just get into this. And I feel like similar in climbing and when things start to really click, it's difficult to kind of pinpoint exactly what that state is. It just, everything's sort of just working, yeah. you know, and you're not really trying that hard, but you're not really, um, you know, that focused, even though you are, you know, super, sure. super focused and in the moment, it's, it's like, it sort of comes naturally, you know, mm -hmm. so trying to describe something like breathing, for right. instance, you know, we don't think about breathing, you just kind of breathe, you know, yeah. but if you start to think about it, it's like, oh yeah, there's this like, there's this process that's, that's, that's going on that you can't, I mean, obviously you need it to live, but it's not like, um, it's not something that you can really like define as, oh, well, when I'm in that state, I'm like, oh, this, I'm breathing now, you know? Um, I think the basis is consistency. So you start with like small steps, biting off like small little pieces. And coming back to that stepping stone idea is that what seems like a massive progression to you in the moment, mm -hmm. in the future won't seem that big, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think one of the big mistakes that people make when they get into things is they try to do it they try to climb really hard and climb every day and because they're just psyched on this, the activity and very quickly you kind of burn out, you know, and the older you get, the more you can just kind of like um, just get out there consistently and you sort of warm up, you know, not just the body, but also the mind, okay. you know, that's so, an interesting point. Yeah. So you kind of come into this, I guess, osmosis, you know, of like sort of like, oh, I'm feeling um, just kind of content. Like I know that things aren't going that great. I don't need to go and just like keep like banging my head against the wall. Mm -hmm. I can just like sort of let things be. And I guess like to me, a lot of the conclusions often like in, in hindsight is looking at it and saying like, oh, when I just sort of let go of trying too hard, it just kind of happened, sure. you know? And I think like if you're sitting on the side of the trail bonking, it's just a mental state, you know? So if you can kind of rationalize that in the moment mm -hmm. and just kind of get a little bit above, you know, yourself and see yourself sitting there, you're like, okay, I'm just kind of sitting here and you're rationalizing it in a very, very simple way. You're putting it in the most sort of clear terms because effectively that's what it is. It's just having some sort of clarity over the situation rather than trying to say like, you know, you know, hyper analyze, you know, what the, what the feeling is. Cause it is a feeling, you know, it's not something that's, um, it's not something that you can break down. I guess it's like where the art and the science kind of sure. like sort of, you know, mesh, right? Well, it's really interesting because, you know, I just talked to Steve Swenson uh, and put that one out a little while ago. And, and he and that was my question for him, you know, which is, I think, again, the obvious question about these high altitude guys, especially the ones that go back time and time again. Yeah. You know, other than other than, you know, are you some sort of amazing physical specimen? But. How is it that you are the guy that just puts himself back into those those terrifying and then also just physically? Oh, that, but but yeah. he said the same thing, like, oh, pain sometimes. Sometimes it's a warning to say, hey, this is, you're going to die. Right. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. You know, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But he said mostly on those trips, it's an emotion. It's mm -hmm. a feeling. And therefore, he's kind of put the same thing into his into his words of, he can divorce himself and look at it and say, well, this is a feeling and so I should be able to control it or I should. And that idea of you stepping away yeah. really made sense to me uh, in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, and it's, you know, it's moments in time. I don't think you're always going to have the same mechanism of getting to that place. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the place that you're in at the time is kind of going to dictate, you know, how much uh, or how you're going to react to the situation. And you certainly have like tools to do that and you, you feed off of past experience. You're like, okay, I've been there, whatever. But I think a lot of it's just sort of having that awareness of kind of where you are and maybe just realizing like your insignificance in the universe is mm-hmm. kind of like a nice humbling way to put it, you know, sure. on a personal level. It's just like, well, I'm doing this, it's elective. I've chosen to be here, you know, for some reason, this sounded like a good idea when I was like, you know, sitting on the couch thinking right. about it. I was like, oh, that'd be really cool to go do this. And then you're like, you know, two thirds of the way and you're like, shit, like why, why am I here, you know? And I, and I think that that come, maybe comes down to then intrinsic motivation, you know, mm-hmm. as to that why question is something like I ask myself a lot. It's just like, you know, why are you out there? And not to get, I think it's sometimes it can be a little difficult if you're doing that in the moment. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to do that too much in the moment. Sure. But having that, you know, um, like um, um, Kurczak Wojtyka, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Polish Good climber? enough, yeah, we know who yeah. you're talking about. I'm sure there's some, yeah, you some know, unpronounceable vowels for Yeah, it's pro- vowels, I probably but yeah. butchered it. Yeah. But, um, you know, he got a lot into that, and I think there was, there, was, there was moments where he was maybe too philosophical on the mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, as in, in, and and I think he tried to discuss this, where it's just like, man, you get, you start to get angsty and nervous because you, you sort of focus your energy on things that you like, you can't really control, Mm -hmm. like exposure, or you're looking at it, and you, you know, it's just there, like the void is there. You're standing above it, and you're thinking you can, you can choose to respond to that however you want, really, you know. And so, depending on how you sort of angle that 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 mental focus right it, it's going to kind of make or break your 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 experience and and so that's where i feel like kind of that letting go piece of like well things are as they are you know mm-hmm. not to sound cliche it's really difficult to actually not put in cliches for sure no you know no. because things understand things yeah. are like quite simple really and so when you try to analyze them you're like well yeah it's just like it is what it is, you know, yeah. and, but, but it is, you know, and, you know what I mean? That's, that's another, that's the next step on the, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. It is. yeah. And, and I, okay. I think, I think it's, it's, it's that kind of side of things that's like, I, I can get in my head at home and really kind of analyze things. And, um, you know, after a big trip or a big race or whatever it is, sit there and really sort of analyze the mental piece. But mm-hmm. during you can't be too no, much no, in your right. head that way. You know, it's sort of like once you've set your mind and you've decided that this is where you want to be, your your intention, your motivation has to be intrinsic. Like it has to come from some place of like, I want to be in this space. And whatever, like nearly going in without preconceived sort of notion of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a general idea of what's going to unfold. But emotionally, you sort of have to let let the experience kind of take you, you know? Right. And that's kind of what's interesting about it. Well, right? I was gonna, I just thought of that. Like, that's maybe even, right, what you're seeking out there. It is. It's, it's yeah. you're seeking, I think, personally, I'm seeking growth and I'm seeking things that are, that are interesting. And so if I always go into it with a mindset of like, well, you know, this is what's going to happen, and I sort of block my mind in some ways to like, well, I need to eat now. I need to drink now. I need to like do this and that. And, and you know, those are important things, but they can kind of distract from sort of the wholeness of the experience. Mm-hmm. And then 
every kind of experience is going to be quite similar. It's going to stay on a fairly physical level and you're not going to be able to kind of open different spaces in your mind to like explore, you know, new things. That That's interesting because it, it, it seems like almost like a contradiction in terms of, in terms of being a competitor. Yeah. It, it, it's it, not, it's not, it compatible. feels, it feels like you should be trying to control. I mean, the instinct would, would seem like, okay, I'm going to this race and I need to control all these variables because yep. I need to run this kind of race to win. Right. But it sounds like for you anyway, and probably for most people out there on these kind of runs, you, you have to do that to a certain extent, but if you're well, too rigid, it probably, you know, you're going to maybe, and I'm just, this is just conjecture, but it feels like that makes you miss opportunities that might actually improve your performance because you're like, no, this is the way it has to be done. And yet there's maybe a voice saying, no, if we, if we actually do this, this is going to go better for you or... Well, I think there's, you know, there's the kind of the soul aspect of things sure. and then there's the performance aspect of mm-hmm. things. And, you know, if you're going into pure performance, it's a very nuts and bolts kind of thing, you know, but at the very, very high end, there is an intangible thing. Mm-hmm. I actually had a really con- interesting conversation with Nolly about this, you know, in the first two years of sort of trying his project, he was very focused on kind of like, you know, all the little like strength aspects of every single move and how to get, you know, everything so dialed and like, you know, thinning out and diet and all these things. And then kind of like the more he sort of just started to kind of let go a little bit, it wasn't like the discipline went away or he wasn't still like obsessed with the problem or trying to like, you know, climb it, you know, fully, but it was more, it's a slight mental shift. And that's where kind of that intangible comes into play. Um, and I think at a very high level of, of racing, you know, everyone's fit. Like sh- people show up at the Olympics, for instance, you know, and everyone's ready to go, mm-hmm. right? They're all, yeah, right. It's the, and they've had all the, per- like all the best training, the coaches, the nutrition, like all these things, right? And yeah, certainly genetics might play a role in, in impacting this, you know, but I do think that there's like, it just kind of intangible that makes things, mm-hmm. you know, really click like sort of that, that upper end of the glue right Mm -hmm. um but it it kind of just depends what you want to do if you want to be like a world club climber you know it's going to be very specific right and just what what you're going to what you're going to need to how you're going to need to train how you're going to need to prepare and the format of the event is also rigid you know it's not like oh i'm kind of feeling this problem today and i'm just going to kind of keep you know doing laps on it or do what you know to right. do whatever it's like that's not the point of the thing right, right you're right. supposed to go and like and it's yeah. the same in a race i right. can't be like can't be halfway through the race and you're like oh that trail kind of looks cool right and just like sort of go off on a tangent <laughs> it's like no like you're there to race you know right. and and so i think over the years like well maybe when i started i certainly started with more of just i just wanted to go running in the mountains you know mm-hmm. that was my initial motivation for it but then when you get more into racing, racing becomes the priority and you kind of lose sight a little bit of that, you know, back to basics, kind of like why I was doing this in the first place. And it becomes year after year, very much about events. 
And then it just gets kind of boring, right? you know, because you get to a place where you've, you've sort of, yeah, you, you can go chasing times, you can do these courses over and over and you can, and I'm not, I'm not like dissing that. I think there's, there's, you know, there's people who, who absolutely love that and find, you know, what they, they're looking for in that kind of aspect of the sport. Personally, it's not really what drives me, you know? So it is trying to find that balance later in sort of the, the my career so to speak to have a similar level of enjoyment but also you know realize that um you know um, maybe what i'm looking for i can't really find in racing anymore mm-hmm. you know and that leads me to wanting to different projects like the 14ers last summer or something like that you know where it's it's looking at doing something that will be maybe more fulfilling than just the confines of you know a race well do you think that that we started this about the arc of, of becoming more experienced, growing older. Yeah. Do you think there's a maturity in that as well? Because I feel like one of the things that might help when you're reverse, like let's say you're gonna gonna do a hundred mile race. Yeah. You know, with competitors, you sign up. The course is set. There's other people there. Versus going and just saying, okay. You know, here's my here's I've got my thing set. I'm going to run for a hundred miles. Yeah, like there there has to be a motivator that you're in a race, and so I need to finish this freaking race, and I need to go a little quicker if I want to win there. And maybe with maturity, you can kind of like not need that to go out and do these sort of personal goals. Or am I like off in nowhere land here? No, I don't think you are. I think it's. It depends because I think, you know, coming back to like... Um, in maturity in, in, in your case, I'm not saying like yeah. other people who don't do that are less mature or whatnot. But. Well, like I said, initially, I think for me, I'm very like landscape driven. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the races that I pick um, and this has been true and trying to fit it in somehow into, you know, because the, there's, the, there's the, the demands of prof- being a professional, sure. right? And like the way this what, what what is happening in the sport and kind of what you want to do so it's sort of like if you want to be in that space you kind of have to check certain boxes right you sort of have to prove yourself and you know it's like in climbing you're like okay i have to climb a certain level a certain grade or do certain projects to have you know validation not just from the community but even like you know for sponsors and mm-hmm. for for all of that you yeah, know that's just the truth yeah it is uh, yeah but once you I wouldn't say that you've arrived, you know, because that's like a very subjective thing, you know. But once you kind of like got there and you feel like, okay, like I've got enough presence. Street cred kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Just, you just kind of feel, I guess, and that is kind of like a confidence maturity thing of just feeling like, okay, like I'm not, you know, uh, it's not like I'm, I'm done or anything, but it's more just like you feel comfortable as to where you are. Then you can start to sort of expand a little bit your, 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 your options, you know, mm-hmm. and look into, because if somebody goes and do, does like, a re, like um, I'm thinking something like the Wonderland Trail around Mount Rainier. Okay. It's a 96 mile loop around the base of Rainier, you know? And so it's a perfect loop. You circ- there's this whole idea of circumnavigation, you know, which is present in a lot of cultures and, you know, circumnavigating a mountain um, as opposed to going up it. I really right. like that, that, that kind of concept. When I got into it, the f- when I first came to the U.S., I grew up in France. And so when I first came to the U.S., um, one of the things like wh- I moved to the Pacific Northwest. So running around like Mount Hood, running around Mount St. Helens, running around, you know, Rainier, it was like that to me was 
that was enough of a, an, an, an objective. I didn't really care about the time. It was more just the aesthetics of this loop really fed you know, what I was looking for. Oh, cool. And then moving fast allows you to do it um, over, say, a day as opposed to three, four, five, or you know, a week or however long. And I'm not, that, that aspect is not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I, you know, it's nice to go out and sit and take your time and hike and camp. And it's, it's an immersion in a different way, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're kind of that pinnacle of your physical ability and you're immersing yourself in that landscape, something like quite <laughs> special comes out in that, at least for me personally. You know, I like to be... I like the, the how speed impacts your mental state. Essentially, mm-hmm. is if I'm if I'm just strolling along, I'm not having the same experience as if I'm like right on that edge, you know. Sure. Yeah. And and that's I think so. Looking at a landscape and saying like, oh, this is a loop or a point to point, or there's some sort of logical aesthetic to it. It speaks to me a lot more than going and chasing a performance, you know, on some sort of contrived course because that will yield like, you know, a podium spot in like some sort of World Cup thing. You know, it just doesn't, that doesn't really interest me and hasn't really ever. So I've, I've always tried to pick events that, um, like one of my favorite events is in Southern Colorado. It's called the Hard Rock 100. Starts in Silverton, um, goes to Ure um, and Telluride and then comes back to Silverton and they, you know, they change directions every year. And, you know, you're running in the San Juans and you, you, you head out and you're in your shorts and T-shirt and you don't really have, you don't really need to, there's no required gear. You don't need to bring anything, you know, but, and there's these little, you know, aid stations along the way and you can just kind of go run in the mountains on this really, you know, really cool loop. And so that, and it, but it's still a competitive event, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's an event, so there's structure to it and everything, but there's, there's something kind of quite appealing to me about that, you know? Um, as opposed to um, like being part of a circuit that's, you know, and I, I did that for a while, like where, mm-hmm. you know, you got really into the racing aspect, but then you just kind of end up being at the start line and be like, okay, this is my job. Like, mm-hmm. here I go. I've trained, I'm fit, I'm ready to go. I'm going to race. And then you, you know, it's a good result or a bad result. It doesn't, I don't know. It just, it just sort of disappears then, you know, whereas something like running around the Wonderland or, or, you know, we're running hard rock in, in that context. It, I remember it, you know, right. and it stays with me and it kind of builds onto other, like onto your imagination of like, ooh, like if I can do that, then maybe I could take these skills to, you know, bigger mountains mm-hmm. or bigger objectives. And Killian, you know, going up on Everest, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think that, I mean, a lot was discussed about this whole, sort of metrics of like trying to set this record going up the mountain and knowing Killian having talked to him about this I think that it's more of opening up possibilities Mm -hmm. rather than like oh I you know I set this time you know and there's certain external demands like from how do you market this how do you make it like how do you pay for this trip Mm -hmm. you know and so well if we set it in the context of racing and you know we're going to go and try and do the peak as fast as possible people can kind of relate to that, you know, but I think for him, and I'm, I don't want to speak for him, but my sense is that like, okay, you go up Everest twice in five days without oxygen or fixed ropes. It's like, wow, that opens up some really interesting possibilities of what you can do in terms of linking, you know, other mountains, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of this, this idea of utilizing, you know, this fast and light approach in, 
in uh, you know um, uh, you know gradually building on what you're doing to to, to yeah to to create new objectives really mm-hmm. you know well as long as we're doing that let's talk about your 14ers okay expedition or goal or whatever you wanted to yeah. call it um, explain what you did there yeah um, and then we'll get into kind of the details and the adventures of, that you had on the on the way yeah well so like and this kind of ties into to what we were just saying where. For me, like having done a lot of racing uh-huh. and being really fortunate to travel around the world and see all these great places and do all these races, I'd come back to home in Colorado. I live outside of Boulder um, in Gold Hill, a little mining town. Um, I was, uh, I wanted to, I've, I always would get back at the end of the summer and think, man, there's so much to see and do in Colorado. I really want to explore my backyard, mm-hmm. you know? And the 14ers are iconic to the state and it's something that, you know, the record has been done in a variety of ways and people have linked the peaks in all, all kinds of kinds of ways. And to me, I was like, I want to do something in my backyard that connects with who I am, you know. And so the style I chose to do it was starting and finishing from my home, doing it self-powered and, you know, self-supported. And so I, the way the peaks are organized, they're kind of organizing clusters. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to bike to the to the to ranges you right. know because running 100 miles on a dirt road you know say to the crestones is just not that interesting and it will take you a long time yeah you know whereas biking it you kind of sit there you know you'll get there and it, it's going to take you about a day you know and you can also carry your gear on the bike to then when you actually get to the peaks you can just do it as if it was a normal day of running, you know? So I really like the idea of utilizing the bike as like this tool of transportation between the mountains, still self-powered. It's still slow enough to kind of take it all in, but it's fast enough that you're not like, it's not going to take me three months, you know, or, or more to do it. Right. And so for me, like this kind of bike run, I guess, hike combo, because let's be real, like I wasn't, you know, dropping the bike and freaking cranking up the peaks like right. running every day you know just like this run, is, running it, across the the capital peak knife edge yeah well actually oh, you is, you, oh, cool. it's kind of funny because i have a <laughs> i have an image of that or like some footage of that where like i kind of eat shit like on not just i like just like slip on the knife edge because oh. i'm like dicking around you know right. kind of going over it like oh like this is like like walking a tightrope and stuff and then i like slip on the thing and anyway but yeah so like you know um to me it was uh this idea of wanting to explore my extended backyard and have a context you know for um exploration really you know Mm -hmm. and see kind of what would unfold you know over over a trip like that um so i set off and coming back to what i was saying earlier is i do like to to kind of be on the upper end of my physical ability because mm-hmm. I just find that to be a little bit more interesting, you know? And so the way that the kind of the mountains um, uh, play out, there's Culebra Peak in the south, which is a, um, you need a permit to climb that right. mountain, right? It's surrounded by ran- the ranch. Yes, the ranch owns it. And it's, so it's a single day permit to climb Culebra, right? And so they, they weren't issuing any permits in August so the latest I could get was for July 30th. And so that kind of dictates, like, you have to be there to climb it on that day, right. you know, especially for something that's, that's um, public, right, with, like, a spot and, you know, people are watching. It's like you can't really go and poach it, you know. Oh, and, right, right. And, you know, you. so yeah. having that, like, uh, visibility, right, from the outside is like, no, I want to do this, like, 
proper. Up and up, yeah. So you get the permit for that. And then I was doing this race, Hard Rock, um, that I mentioned earlier, um, 10 days before um, starting um, Culebra or starting the the 14ers. So I started on July 26th of last year and had five days to make it down to Culebra. And because you're self-powered, you're, you know, there's certain peaks that you just have to do on the way down. So there's about eight of them. Yeah, there's eight of them before you get down to Culebra because on a bike, it, it would take a long time to like to come back, retrace. Yeah. Right? Right. So you got like, you know, um, Bierstadt and Evans and Pikes Peak and the Crestone Group and then finally down to Culebra. So started July 26th booked it down there hitting those peaks along the way sleeping like you know two to four hours a night and you know like something like the Crestones, it's like five 14ers it, it is an eight hour outing you know mm-hmm. so you've rode 100 miles the day before gone up pike's peak and you're coming to like you know do this and so that immediately kind of gets you like okay you know here we go like boom you know we're starting this um and what's what's interesting about that is it felt very much like an event you know, it, and it, oh, was, right. it was not what I wanted. I wanted this to be the opposite of that because I was kind of like tired of the whole like racing thing. And I just wanted it to be a little bit more free form. But I got this 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 date that I need to be there. And here I am like charging, you know, down down the peak. And it just felt like a lot of pressure. So mentally, I was all like messed up, you know, and it just wasn't wasn't what I expected, you know, but that that comes back to like this don't go in with like preconceived notions mm-hmm. of what's going to happen. Like the trip's going to be what it is, you know? And then after Culebra, the San Juans, it was just full on monsoon. Things got insane, like weather wise. And I was still like very much attached to like, I, I brought a bivy sack and a sleeping bag, no tarp, no pad, no anything. So I was kind of like nervous about like, man, it's freaking raining all the time and getting just worked by, you know, the weather and the conditions and attached still to how we normally think about things where it's like, oh, I need like a perfect little spot to camp and recover and then, you know, be able to go up the next, you know, the next day. And so it creates a lot of mental angst, you know, around like watching the lightning and the weather and just like not knowing when to go up. And then about halfway through the trip, like things just started to shift. Like, I guess you just get more attuned, you know, and you just, you start to pick better camping spots, like more naturally. It's like, oh, there's a little nook there that's dry under the tree. It's been dry for two weeks. Everything else is saturated and wet. I'm just going to slot in there and, you know, sleep eight hours in the pine needles and, and, you know, be ready to go the next day, you know? And so you, there's this shift into coming a little bit more animal, really, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you, you sort of start to let go of the trip. Like that just is the framework and the context for this personal exploration, really, you know, mm-hmm. and that to me was the most fascinating aspect of the whole, you know, the whole thing is like, I'm not there to really chase records. I'm there to set a context, see what unfolds, and then really learn something about myself, you know. And did you have, I guess, I mean, this, was there some record break? I mean, yeah, in, so, terms so, of, in terms of the... Of the of the self powered like the, the bike the whole, and yeah. Thing, yeah yeah so the a guy Justin Simone um, did okay. it uh, a couple years prior okay. and so he did it in thirty four and a half days uh-huh. and what was nice about that which you know he's the first one who did it in that style right so I mean there's the ultimate like driving to the trailhead and going up and down the peaks as fast as possible and that's in nine days you know a lot of sleep deprivation mm-hmm. you're just sitting there in the back of the car while your crew is driving you and you know to the next peak feeding you and it's very very hard. 
but it's just not really what I was interested right, right, in. Right, right, right. So Justin kind of set this style where I was like, huh, that just kind of speaks to me. It makes sense, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and the nice thing about having 34, 34 days there as a, as a framework is like, okay, I know roughly how long it's going to take, you know, G- give or take, it will be somewhere in around a month, you know? Mm-hmm. So I could tell my wife when I'm leaving, I was like, I'll be back in a month, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, and, and so that helps certainly, it, it's a little bit different when you're the person, um, you know, you're, you're next, like you're not the person who's, who's establishing that initial sort of right. um, initial thing. So that's where I felt like focusing on the record is kind of like nearly missing the point for me. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, well, but what else is there? You know, like, and people have asked me like, would you do it again and try and go faster and all that? And it's just like, eh, just, that was the experience, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, it, it helped to, to have references and to see like, okay, like that took him like two days here and one day there. And, you know, but it didn't really like, I don't know. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't really on my mind other than, um, just like that natural desire to want to kind of push myself Mm -hmm. at the, at the upper end, you know? So yeah, it was, it was, um, um, I don't know. So when you were out there, it's the height of 14er season. Yeah. There's lots of people yeah. you're running by them. You know, I don't know if you're doing them in the, the middle of the day at night. Probably some of them got everything kind yeah, of jumbles. Yeah. Just, yeah. So was there some notion in sort of the 14er or maybe the running world that you were up to this? Or was it something that you just kind of, was it under the radar bef- while you were doing it? Uh, yes and no. I mean, no in the sense that, like, you know, I've got my Instagram. I've right. got, like, this spot tracker so yeah, people right. can, like, follow online and see, like, that's oh. Like the new, that's, like, the new thing. It has, yeah, there's it has to little, be done, like, that you're, you're out there. Well, it's to validate about, yeah. and people, you know. And it's actually, it, in terms of my own experience, it's super unintrusive, right? Like, you put the little spot device in your pack, mm-hmm. and it's just there. And it's just bleeping to the world. Right. But then on the other end... People can like, you know, get on there and see like, oh, like, you know, this is where he's stopping for the night or this is, you know. So I think it's kind of cool how much interaction people get with how little it interferes with your own sure, experience. Sure. Yeah, you know? yeah. um, that's 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 a good thing. Um, yeah. I mean, there was definitely moments where, you know, you, you'd bump into people like, oh, you're that dude doing the 14ers, right. you know. Um, the weather was heinous the first two weeks. Okay. So there wasn't that many right. people out there. <laughs> you're the like, only idiot out there Yeah, no, I'd like I'd, storms. No, I'd like bust up the tree line, you know, and it's hailing and yeah. I'm like sitting there under a tree, like right. take a nap for an hour. Right. There's a little window and you bust up the peak and you kind of come back down. And, you know, so there was, there was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And then the weather got better in the second half, although it did snow the last week, which was right. wild. Um, but it, it, I spent a shit ton of time alone. Right. Like a lot, you right. know, and I got in my head a lot. And so what was weird was like I would come into towns and, you know, because, I mean, Colorado is super connected and you'll go, you'll go into lots and lots of little towns. Like, I mean, when I did the Elks, for instance, I go through Aspen six times. Okay. You know, because you come over Independence Pass, you drop into Aspen, Castle and Conundrums, kind of, you know, an out and back to town. Um, then you've got, you know, the Bells and Pyramid, do those in a cluster, and then you go to Capitol and Snowmass. And so you do those in three days, coming through Aspen each time, six times, mm-hmm. right? So I'd kind of just like go into... Um, I th- I, there's this little burger joint right next to the, 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 the hockey rink there, mm-hmm. like right in the middle of town. And I'd go in there and like set up everything to charge, like my batteries and all that, eat like 
a ton of food, but you're just, you're like a ghost, you know, you're in your own world completely. Like people can't really, it's very hard in a nutshell to be like, you know, like, oh, like what's going on, you know, in your life right now, you know, it's just like, so, because, you know, people ask, it's like, oh, what do you do today? It's like, oh, I went up, uh, you know, I went up Castle and Conundrum, you know, or something. And, and they're like, oh, cool, like that's an awesome hike and everything. And you're not just going to like launch into. Well, no, I actually ran it, sir. And yeah, or here's like, what I'm doing. This is like, the yeah. 38th mountain or right. whatever. You know, it's just yeah. like, no, you just can't, right? right. And so, so you just spend a lot of time kind of in that strange little zone of being in contact with people, but also being very like alone mm-hmm. in, in, in regards to kind of what you're actually doing. And I thought that it would be a little bit more conducive to people like meeting me and everything but the weather just ended to be so bad that people were like ah fuck that i'm not coming out you know right. <laughs> and and so a, a lot of it was just spent you know me just kind of being out there dealing with things um which i think made it kind of special in mm-hmm. some ways mm-hmm. like it's not really what i expected but it also was like um a good way to to yeah just to have those those really kind of introspective moments you mm-hmm. know out there um and feel like i don't know you feel just a little more clear on like the sense of what like life is all about you know and you would come back into town and i know just a little bit more at ease of like hey you know the world just kind of keeps spinning i'm doing this thing they're doing their thing you know and you talk to people and it just feels like i don't know like nearly less intense in some ways like you're doing something that's really intense but then it kind of put things in in perspective for me a little bit um, it made it hard coming back afterwards, though. Like coming back after a month, you know, on uh, out there was was pri- pretty intense. You know, it just a lot of media attention. A lot, you know, you kind of click back into all this like the social world, you know, and demands, and you know, just like regular life, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas you have this luxury when you're out there of like, oh, all I need to do today is just kind of go up the mountain, you know, right. and it's just like so nice and it's quite addictive really you know and there's this and i think it just taps into that primal state of just being like oh this is kind of what we're meant to do you know somehow it's just like you know travel on foot and you know scramble up peaks and like you eat you drink and you sleep and it's a very like kind of organic process Mm -hmm. and then when you get back into all the confines of you know the structure of what we've created you know in our lives it, it can get I, I don't know. I, I was, I felt like quite depressed for like three months after. You oh, know? really? Yeah. yeah. And I think that, I mean, that's probably true for, you know, most big trips. You know, when you come back and you've just been out there for a really long time, like in, in, you know, in mountaineering or things like that, you know, people come back like, whoa, like after, and you, you know, you have a very intense experience and in bringing it back to the, the, the real world, so to speak. Right. Not that that isn't the real world. It's just that it's not the structure that we're used to, you know? And so that's, it's kind of just hard. Like you, you tap into something that's so, it feels so right. And then a lot of things get irritating. And then, and then, you know, like when you come to make you really pleasant to be around. Yeah, no, it it, it was, it it was freaking hard, man. Like just coming back to coming back to the, to that. But then, um, but then I think it was like right around the new year. So it was like three months after three, four months after the, the 14 years, I was like, you know, it, it, and it comes back to that mental piece from the beginning. It's like, things are what they are, you know, and I can't really control 
Like if somebody's like writing me to ask me about like, you know, what, you know, what did you eat? Like, you know, like a journalist will say like, you know, what was your diet on this thing? I was like, I was just like at the convenience store, like a freaking raccoon. Like I was eating everything, man. Like I'd eat like, you know, a bag of Oreos in the morning is 1200 calories, you know, hit two like, you know, those little cream double espresso Starbucks thing. I don't eat that shit normally, right. you know, but there I just didn't really. Just throwing it on the fire. Like yeah, throwing and it's it not like the, in I, the furnace. Exactly. And it's not like your diet. And it's just like, no, it's just like, it's freaking like just whatever like you're kind of rummaging through the garbage you know <laughs> like just ready to and it but it's cool like because it feels it feels like um i don't know like less structured you're just like more natural you know mm. nearly like even though you're eating unnatural kind of <laughs> yes, like yeah, crappy like... stuff you're you're also feeling like a little bit more just i don't know like a raccoon like you're gonna uh, exa- eat it. exactly if it's you just... throw an oreo at a raccoon he's gonna eat he's it. gonna eat it yeah he's, he's gonna eat it you know yeah. gluten and everything yeah no, no big deal <laughs> gluten dairy you hit all the allergens you know yeah for sure yeah so i wanted to ask you about the community uh within this this sport or uh this part of the sport yeah um it has to be somewhat small even worldwide sure um and especially at the levels that you're doing it, you know, your cohort has to be pretty small. What's, I, I talk a lot about the community on, of climbing yep. and how important it is to us and how it's kind of the thing really. Right. What's it like for, for, um, for you and, and in this particular sport? Um, and you're also a climber and so you have a feeling for, you know, our community too. Sure, so. sure. Well, I think I think running, uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a global thing, mm-hmm. you know, like and, and not nece- not necessarily like ultras and long distance, but people get that, uh, you know, at all levels. Like Boulder, Boulder is fifty eight thousand people that come out to run a ten k in Boulder. Mm-hmm. You know, that blows my mind. You know, and so there's some relatability at a very basic level that just anywhere you are in the world, running is just like, oh right, you're you're a runner. Like you don't you have to kind of explain climbing to some, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, Oh, what are you doing? Like, you know, you know, sort of grabbing on these little holes. So the community is sort of informed, right? Even just like, even somebody who's really new to it, you have to kind of come to this and feel like, oh, okay, like understand like kind of the systems and how it works. Running's so basic. It's just like, well, you go out and run. So there's that initial broader community that forms that is, just there, right? And then as you get into these more like niche kind of aspects and trail running is, you know, sort of one subset, um, the broader one, and then that gets into like ultra running and then there's like, you know, mountain running and, you know, thing. And it's, I don't really like labels and trying mm-hmm. to like, but, but it definitely ends up being that way, you know, where there's little groups that will, that will kind of, um, you know, have their, just their own way of thinking and you know doing their own thing and I, I just it's hard to say like how I fit into the community um, because my interest is is more in um, in uh, I don't know it's just it's 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 running I just see it as just like the tool to go and explore these places rather than um, there's there's less I feel like less of a culture around it like where climbing has a very defined culture you know and 
um, certainly there's there's um, you know the gym scene there's there's sure. sport there's you know and there's there's all those variations in that and I guess running like running has the same thing with like track and field and road racing and marathons is like very different to trail and ultra and there's different feel in there but right now I would say in the trail scene it's it's um, it's kind of a bit splintered where on one aspect is very performance driven and so there's you know, issues like doping and it's kind of going down that whole, like the cycling sort of, you know, um, route of, of just everything is very much focused on that top end. And there's, there's like federations and governing bodies and, you know, the, it's not going to the Olympics, but it's that, that kind of vein, right. Of sort of institutionalized, you know, <laughs> structured sure. version of it. And then there's also just like people just want to go out and run, you know, and just have a good experience out on the trail. And I don't think, you know, I connect obviously with the latter, but, you know, it's not that other sort of aspect is, is very prominent right now. And I think it will continue to sort of diverge, you know, over the next, I don't know, you know, coming the, over the next, you know, few years where there will be more structure on one end and then more like nearly rebellion on the other end of like, ah, just like, you know, fuck that. Like, I want to just go and do my own thing. And so there's one of the things that's popular on that aspect is fastest known times, right? This idea of FKTs, which is you set your own course and you try and go and run it as fast as possible. And that can be anything from, you know, just busting up one peak and it's like a 30 minute kind of effort to multi-day things like i guess the 14ers would fit into that idea of a fastest known time so that's a that's a growing segment you know of the of the community that's getting more and more popular um and is that kind of a a result of these 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 technology of being able to keep even track of stuff yeah because otherwise you know you have in a, in a competition in a, in a set course, you have someone keeping time and it's all totally. on the up and up. But, you know, 15 years ago, it was, you know, self-reporting and who knows. Yeah. But now you've got this way of, you know, with the with the GPS stuff of. Right. It's no, this is how fast because, look, I see his dot arrive or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, think about it in climbing, how like mm-hmm. it's always been an honor system. Sure. Yeah. And that debate is very much present. It's mm-hmm. just like, well, did you climb it? You know, and there's always this like Uleon Annapurna, you know, mm-hmm. and that whole there. The, and it's and it, and it's interesting. I mean, I think that's existed forever. Like those that kind of controversy. Sure. You know, no matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But well, it has. I mean, if you in, in mountaineering yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, Denali and. Right. You know, all these different things. Yeah. People will go and claim stuff and lie about it. And maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But it kind of just gets down to this, like, I don't know how, how important is it to you that this person did it? Or is it more like the takeaway, really? Is it more the idea of it? It's like if you have integrity and you're going and doing this, you're doing it for the right reasons. Right. And so you're going to come back and you have a story to tell and you're going to have like, this is like a transformative experience and that's what you're going to communicate on, you know? But if you just focus on the performance aspect of like, well, I did this climb and like, you know, I swear I did it kind of thing. Yeah, it just gets into this weird, like, little, like, sort of debates around, like, well, I, I don't know. Like, it, it just it just focuses, in my opinion, on the wrong things. Right. So it's, it's, it's a tricky balance, mm-hmm. you know. If you're going to go and, say, do an FKT, 
um, and you're seeking external validation from that. And it's important to you that that time get recognized, that that climb get recognized. Then maybe there is an argument to have some form of accountability for that. You know, a live system is pretty good at that, you know, because you can mess with the GPS file. It's just a text file, you know, so it's like you go in and put whatever whatever you want, you know. We could go climb Everest in like seven hours tomorrow, you know, (laughs) just do it online. Um, (laughs) I never thought of it. Yeah, but but you know what I'm saying? Like it gets into that stuff where it's just like that that validation is so you're... yeah, proof is 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 important, mm-hmm. but I think it, then it comes down to just like basic kind of you know integrity, you know, right. and saying like no, if you, you you trust certain people, and then the other people have like maybe a little bit more shaky sort of track record, and you're like ah, I just don't know, you know, right. and so what do you what do you do? Do you choose to focus on sort of debating that ad nauseum just to like. I don't know, prove your point that that person didn't do it or did do it or whatever, or do you just kind of focus on the aspects that are, you know, are interesting and that you know, like, wow, this is like aspirational to me, you know, and like I could see, (laughs) it's not like you don't want that person to lie, but it's just like the idea of it is in a sense is that's what the dream is. That's what's driving, you know, that's what's like, it's like, wow, somebody can go out and do that, you know, and it it yeah it's it's not like you want to deceive yourself mm-hmm. but you also you want to have um you want to have those those big kind of aspirational things to 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 hold on to and i think i mean maybe i'm naive but i just believe that a lot of people are honest you know yeah. and a lot of people are out there doing it for the right reasons and if they claim that they've done something I typically have more inclination to believe them. I know? think climbing is the same way in yeah. general because I think there's a weeding process because if you even get to the level where, you know, it's even possible that you're up there, yeah. I mean, unless it's a complete fabrication, which in the history of mountaineering, there has been complete Plenty. and utter, they never stepped on the mountain fabrications. Yeah. But if it's, you know, you're good enough to even get close and maybe it's you more know, tricky. So like, it, it seems like yeah. by the time you get there, it took it took a lot of personal integrity in your life to be that disciplined. Totally. Do you know what I mean? So I have a tendency too to think like, okay, well that person, if they're a shit and and they they've lived their life, you know, this kind of person, they probably aren't going to be good enough to even get anywhere near it because it takes so much. Yeah. That. But at the same time, you know, when sponsorships and sponsorships all, all these and things get thrown in, it's, you know, you're like, well, did I, it does I, get, I don't know. It, no, and it does I generally tricky. believe people too in terms of climbing as well. Yeah. And there's like, you know, there's the first, first ascent aspect. And if you're mm-hmm, kind of like mm-hmm. breaking new ground mm-hmm. and you're utilizing that as like, you're like, that's what you're going to go do your talks about. That's what you're going to get sponsorship over. Yeah, there is some sort of like, well, this better be true. Sure. You know, because it would suck if it's not really, you know, because that's the whole point is that if you're doing something that's groundbreaking, well, we hope that it, that you did it, you know, because otherwise it kind of defeats. Well, and and you've robbed. You've robbed that first ascent. Yeah. Or or whatever. Whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that. I mean, the true, like the true Zen master would be, well. He didn't take matter. anything from you because your experience is going to be your experience. But sure. we're humans, so <laughs> yeah. Well, and we, we'll, we'll yeah, debate yeah, about yeah, this right, stuff, right, you know. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, so well, and, and one of the things too with the technology, I guess one of the other points I was making is just that these these what what did you call them again? The FKTs, yeah. fastest known time. Yeah, yeah. the technology also just 
helps make them accessible definitely to people and they can i mean they can find out the information and and you were talking about things being aspirational uh i mean that's got to be nice if if i'm just some yeah. joe blow i can like oh i know what to shoot for here and well and like it's the, just out there you know eat more in in a way that was is more just like everything is it's disseminated information that's probably quicker and yeah more obvious i mean the little the spot trace yeah it weighs three ounces you know it's tiny it has no buttons other than on and off mm-hmm. and you just put it in your pack and you know yeah. it just doesn't impact your experience right, all, you know yeah. so to me like if you're if there's something and the, what it offers like they do this a lot in bike packing yeah. you know where the there's you know the underground kind of bike pack race scene is just you know you click the spot on and everything's on or like you do it yourself you can't accept like help and everything from other people you mm-hmm. bike from point right. a to point b as fast as you can and you sort of broadcast it to the micro niche of people who are into that stuff, you know? And if you are into it, you're watching the little dot and you're like, oh, well, I wonder where they're at now, sure. you know? Yeah. And it's kind of cool. Like it just, I'm not like opposed to technology, especially if it's kind of seamless that way. Sure. And it offers like a lot of um, really positive experiences for the people who are following. I mean, I do it myself. Like, yeah. you know, when there's live broadcasts of stuff, I feel weird about doing it, you know, like the whole Snapchat on Everest kind of idea, you know, it's just like, I don't know how I feel about that. But at the same time, it's kind of cool to like click in and be like, oh, it's like they're doing it there right now. Goes. Yeah. And, they, and it's this, this stuff's happening live or, or, you know, like on the Dawn wall or everything. It was like, it was kind of weird, but at the same time, like you're sort of psyched that you're there, right? Yeah, you're, absolutely. And yeah. you, I mean, I could never be up there doing something like that, but having that opportunity to be able to to have some sort of interface to to see that it's an interesting you know thing and i you know and and that probably comes back into then the sponsorship aspect the professional aspect Mm and sort of how much or how little you want to play the game um it can be climbing just like running is you know it can be pretty selfish you know if if that is what you're doing and you're just doing it for yourself um, but you're also in a professional realm. It's like, well, what's the point really? Like why, if you're not sharing any of this stuff right. and yet you're getting paid to do it, yeah, you have to, right. It's kind of like, not really getting paid to do it. You're actually getting paid to share it. You are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> doing it is, is, is you to be doing it anyway. Exactly. So, and so yeah. that's, that's where it comes into play. And I think like that opens it up to like the broader community mm-hmm. and saying like, Hey, yeah, I'm doing this thing. And it's not saying like, look how good I am or like, look how awesome this is. It's more just like, this is something that you can go and follow and get psyched yeah. and, you know, get out the door. Well, and I mean, I, I've had plenty, almost every actually professional climber says something along the lines like, yeah, you know, I get paid to climb or getting paid to climb is this. And that's, I'm always like, you're not getting paid to climb. You're getting paid to tell us about it. Right. That, you know, that's, that's what you're getting paid to do. So, yeah. but but regardless, I, I want to ask you one last question because um, we're we're at the end here. Okay. But I opened this. We were talking about being out on the trail, the things you kind of do to keep going. Yeah. And you know, I mentioned this earlier off mic that that's for for the folks who don't do it, even the folks who run some, mm-hmm. you know, but don't go that far. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the really like the, the million dollar question. It's, it's kind of what we want to know because we can't imagine ourselves doing it mm-hmm. or maybe we, we, we maybe in the back of our head, we wonder if we can. Mm-hmm. So that's the obvious question is like being out there and how do you keep going? Just like I said, the obvious question 
whether he likes it or not, to Alex Honnold is, is, are you scared? Yeah. He hates the question. You know, you've, I've seen him get, you know, visibly like yeah. ticked about it at right, times. Right, 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 right. But, but it's the obvious question. Yeah. You know? So what, is there anything about what you're doing out there that you think we don't understand or the, the, the record's wrong or you'd like us to know about what it is that drives you out there? Is there anything in your head you're like, God, you know, people really need to know this about what we're up to out there? I think it's like anything that you don't know, you just naturally put barriers up against. Mm-hmm. You know, you just think that it's like this unattainable thing, right? Because if you're not, if you haven't dabbled in it, and if you don't have that opportunity, you just go and be like, oh, like, this is actually not that bad. You know, like, you, I think there's a lot of um, nearly apprehension around, like, starting, like, that first time you put on like a pair of climbing shoes in the gym and you're kind of like walking around and you're just like, I don't know how to tie the figure eight or something, you know, and you get kind of stressed out about it. It's like, it's harder to go and ask and just say like, Hey, how'd you do this? Like, could right. you, you know, the whole like mentorship kind of aspect of just being able to just like ask someone just like, Hey, could you help me out? Like, this looks rad. Like, you know, what can I do? And I feel like sometimes in running, there's this perception of like, oh, well, it's just going to be like every time I go running, it sucks, you know? And I run like a mile and I'm freaking dying. And I it's may just have like, that perception. Yeah, you know, you're just like, you'll go out and it's like, you know, this intimidating like, oh, well, you run hundreds of miles and that's like absolutely insane to me. But honestly, you know, 80 miles into a, a run, it's no, you're still putting one step in front of the other. Mm-hmm. It's not that complicated, right? <laughs> I mean, it, sure, there's a lot, you know, right. of, you know, things that you might be going through. All right, I'm throwing this whole podcast away then. <laughs> All this stuff we've been talking about, just putting one foot in front of the other. But, but ultimately, yeah, it, right, it right. kind of is, you know. So the barrier to entry is extremely basic. And, like, you know, one of the things I say to people who, like, usually get into it is it's like, the first thing you need to do is just kind of get out the door. If that means that where you are right now, it's just going to be walking, then just walk, mm-hmm. you know? And then if you do that every day and you do it like maybe 15 minutes a day, because that's all you've got time to do, you know, gradually you might, you know, you might jog a little bit, you know, or you might just be like, oh, I'm just going to go check out this little like, like rise over there, like this or this little peak or, you know, so you set, I think that, you know, the biggest mistake is to kind of put too much, like you want to do everything like well and hard immediately, mm-hmm. you know, and it does, it doesn't need to be that way, you know, climb a ladder to start, you know, I mean, seriously, you yeah, know, it yeah, just, there's people that could benefit from that. Yeah. I just they think they wanted to start climbing. So I think they're out of shape or whatnot. Yeah. I think there's just like an alienating aspect to me. And maybe that's a problem with the media. Maybe it's a problem with how stories are told. Like everything is so polished and perfect. You know, you look at images of how the sport has represented it. And it's always just like, damn dudes, like, you know, 80 miles into his run on this like crazy ridge, you know, way the hell out there. Like, you know, and you don't see anything before or after that. All you see is this perfect photo, you know, and sure it's aspirational, but it feels like, I can never do that. Right, right. You know, and so you have this disconnect with, you know, what's going on in the image. And that's why I feel like maybe the storytelling needs to be more real, more raw, more like, I mean, man, like I'm, I'm making a film about the 14ers, you know, 
I mean, half the film, I'm like losing my mind and crying and just like in my head and like struggling, you know, it's a freaking struggle. Like, you know, I'm like nose bleeding, coughing up a lung. Like it's not pretty, you know, and <laughs> I think that for me, it's really important to show those kinds of things because that's the human experience ultimately, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, is that comes back to that stepping stone idea of like, Hey, wherever you're at in life, if it's running a mile and that's going to blow your mind, then great. Like, you know, just take that step, go and do it. And then, you know, but don't go too hard so that the challenge is like unrealistic and you'll hate it. Mm -hmm. You know, the first time somebody like repels you, you have them repel off El Cap, they'll never freaking repel ever again in their lives. You know, (laughs) you're like, that was heinous. You know what I'm saying? But if you just kind of like ease people into things, then it just becomes more like, okay, like, I see this isn't as bad as I thought, right? Because I'm like, no different. We're no different, really. You know, it's just like we've just chosen to apply ourselves to different activities, you know, but we put the same kind of energy, the same kind of, you know, intent into that. And it's all driven by intrinsic motivation. It's just like something clicked in your mind where you're like, man, I really like this, you know? And it was the same for me. I was just like, kind of, I just really like this. And I think that. It's, it's, I, sh- I never want to impose, you know, like, oh, you should, you should go running, you know, it's just like, just maybe just go out there and just like, give it a try. And then maybe you'll connect with it, you know, but also like try and stick with it for a little bit, because as you know, like one, one time isn't gonna, you know, one time could be pretty demoralizing, right. you know, but if you just do that little bit of consistency over like, say a month or a couple months and, you know, and if you're not jiving it with after that, maybe it's not the right thing for you, you know, and go do something else, you know, and it's not like, I'm not trying to convince anybody, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that if you don't try to convince anybody, people come to it naturally mm-hmm. and then it doesn't seem so intimidating and it doesn't seem so, so crazy. And, and that's just how you get better. You know, you just pour your energy into things that feel right, you know? And yeah. Awesome. Well, we're, we're out of time, bud. That was awesome. I'm well, so glad that we, uh, that you were willing to do this and we connected on it yesterday at the picnic table. Yeah, no, thanks a lot. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm honestly really honored to be on the show and like, this is, uh, I know it's a climbing podcast, and when we talked about this a little bit at picnic table, and, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, not sure that, you know, that, that this was something that, 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 you know, people would be interested in, but so hopefully they are. Yeah, you for know? sure, no, 100%. And, and yeah, so, so thanks I mean, so much. To- but yeah, it was fantastic, and, and just, uh, I, I was fascinated by it all. I still am. Cool, um, thanks, as, man. as much as you want to, you know, let me know that I could get there someday. I still, like, it's, it's pretty rad what you're out there doing, even if it does, doesn't feel that big a deal to you. So, right. Well, thanks, man. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and thanks to Joe for sitting down. He was slightly nervous about coming on the EnormaCast, not being a hardcore climber, but I assured him that the Enorma Nation would welcome him into their loving, if slightly sinewy and veiny arms. So I hope you did. Not too long after we got this interview, Joe went on to take third place in the Hard Rock 100 that he mentions in the show as one of his favorite races, uh, which ain't too shabby, especially when you're going up against the likes of Killian Jornet, who won the race. So, well done, sir. Well done. Also, Joe has told me that his 14er film that he briefly mentions in the interview 
is getting close to being completed, so stay tuned for that in the next coming months. And, of course, I'll post it on the Facebook page if you follow over there once it comes out. All right, folks, recent events have gotten me thinking about this project called the Enormacast, what it means to people out there. And, you know, there's been 139 episodes now. Some of them have reached you guys in a pretty emotional way, and, I, and I'm pretty proud of that. And um, like I said, recent events have made that even more clear. So thanks again for tuning in. Thanks so much for making this thing what it is, what it has become, hopefully what it will be as we continue down the line here. Okay, I guess the best way to honor those we've lost is to stay alive. So please, 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 when you're out there skiing, when you're out there climbing, when you're on some vision quest run out in the desert or up some mountain or doing whatever it is you do where there's very little wiggle room for error, please be safe out there. Please take care of each other. And of course, check your knot. Come far, pilgrim. Feels like far. Were it worth the trouble? Huh? What trouble? 